0: God, today in this place, we thank you for bringing us here. God, I pray that each and every one of us in this place today uh, will be fully here. The distractions of what the rest of the day holds or what this last week has brought our way, I pray that that is left behind. God, we desire to know more about you and who you are. And God, we desire just to abide with you in this place. And so I ask that we could just sit with you in this place, that we could lock eyes with you. God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us in a very personal way. You would show us who you are this morning. Thank you for bringing us together as your church. Thank you for the very life that you've given us. And I ask that God, as we are gathered together, that it's not just another Sunday, but your spirit is hovering, that God, your spirit is waking each and every one of us, that we become alive in who you are, and we ask your presence to be in here with us. Thank you. And we sit in anticipation of what this morning holds. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat, church. Welcome to Church Project. Uh, I'm Aaron, one of the elders here. I've been off the last couple of weeks, which has been incredibly fun. I've enjoyed it. And Jason uh, has given the message the last couple weeks. And so thank you for that, Jason. Uh, thank you for the passion and the word that you've been bringing to us. And uh, man, thank you guys, the band, for leading us in, in worship today. That was incredible. Thank you very much. Uh, I, you can clap. That's all right. It's, it's, okay. it's all good. If you're a first-time guest, we go through the Bible, and we've been going, we just finished going through the book of Luke. We're now going through the book of Ephesians, and so it's real important that you have the Bible in front of you. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there's one over on the lamps uh, on either side. You can just kind of subtly raise your hand, and we'll bring that to you, and if you do not own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Uh, we, we hold the Bible in high regard, and so if you can have the Bible in front of you, that would be great. Hey, before we get started today, uh, I want to talk about a ministry partnership that we have. At the beginning of every month, uh, we highlight a ministry partnership and, and we kind of talk about what our involvement with this partnership is. And last month it was uh, Young Life and, and we had a great golf tournament on Monday, and so good job with that. And hopefully you guys are praying for uh, Young Life and, and everything that they're doing. This month, we're going to highlight uh, a ministry partnership that is kind of ours as well. It's the Church Project Network. And I want you to know, And if you've been involved with Church Project for very long, you know that, that we started as as one church and then ended up Going into two churches and now, just within America we have we have five churches that um, are church projects, and so I want to talk about them a little bit and we have Houston, which is uh, Jason Shepherd. they have a, a bunch of people going down to Houston if you're ever in that area, the Woodlands area, go visit it's, it's incredible to see what God is doing there, uh, but be praying for them in Houston. We have Andy White who's in Dallas, and they're about two years old right now. God is doing some really Cool things there, they have a couple house churches that are now meeting they 've moved from one location to another they 're starting to see some pretty good momentum as a church body, a new church body and so that 's led by Andy White um, in Aurora. We have Keith Harrison, so if you 're ever in the Southlands area in Denver, go down and see them. I went and spoke there about a month, maybe six weeks ago, and i was I was impressed. 18 months old, and they've got a group of people that are just solid. What I really enjoyed was at the end, they brought all their kids in. I think they have about 100 kids. I, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but they have a lot of kids, and it was neat to see those kids come together. And then we also have a church project in Cincinnati, and that's led by Josh Burrow. And he's, he's, he's doing really good in a place that is not used to the gospel message. In fact, he says often that it's very cold to the gospel message. It's a, it's a very high uh, Catholic area where a lot of Catholics are going to church. But uh, as far as the church that he's trying to start in a church project, there's not a lot of those in Cincinnati. And so be praying for those, those church plants, the Church Project Network, but also... I want to tell you, at large, we have five churches that just started in Haiti, and those are church project networks as well. And in fact, as a church, we've adopted a village called Bouchouin, and Bouchouin Pastor Edric is, is now moving to this village, and for the first time ever, we've been building this church building that's going to serve as a school and going to serve as a church building. Pastor Edric is moving there, and, and when we visited the last time as we were leaving, Pastor Edric looked at me and said, Aaron, next time you come back, Look around, and we're in the middle of Haiti, like a beautiful, beautiful, you know, rainforest kind of stuff everywhere. And he goes, there's going to be a house church over there, and a house church over there, and a house church over there. And he's just in love with God, and it's such a cool thing to be a part of that. And church, I also want to celebrate with you. This last week, um, you know, we've been raising money for Haiti. And this last week, we were able to send another $9,000 down to this to finish putting on the, the, the roof to this building. And that's incredible. I mean, just look around. From this little body right here, we've sent $10,000 down there. And that's just Haiti. And that's just one little thing that's happening. But at large, what God is doing at Church Project, can I fist bump everyone right now? Is that, is that possible? Can I just say thank you? I love being a part of this body. I love seeing how God's working through all the ministry partnerships, through the golf tournaments, through the churches in Haiti, through Robbie and Katie going around the world telling, you know, people about Christ, through everything that's happening. I love seeing the church move. And I love seeing the church come alive. Are you enjoying this? Yeah, Peter's enjoying it. I love his church. And I love the people of his church. Today's message is going to be a powerful one. I hope you're okay with that. Or did you come for just a lukewarm one? I know Jeremy tried to trick us, and Chad fell for it and came into a song early. I I get that. That was fun. Today's going to be a powerful message. In fact, so powerful. I'm going to ask us right now, if you would open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be going from verse 7 to 14. Um, if you would, just take a, a couple seconds of silence and just pray that your heart would be prepared for this. And, and then also, would you pray for me? Pray that the words that I speak are not from my notes, but they're from God. Would you just take a moment to pray for that, for me? Hmm. Okay, amen. Hey, let's get into this. I want to read these first verses, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 14, and then we'll go back and see what God has for us. So if you would, follow along in your Bible. I'm reading out of the ESV version, so if you have a different one, it may have a couple different words in there. But let's start in verse 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. Don't you like that word, lavished on us? In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. I say amen. Amen to this. Warning. I'm gonna give you a warning. I'm gonna geek this one out. I mean, we're gonna get seminarian on this one. Is that okay? Like, I, I'm just, I'm warning you. I, I was, I was digging in this this week, and I was studying this and reading multiple commentaries and Greek stuff, and I, I just fell in love with the geek aspect of this week. But I'm gonna tell you why we're going geeky and beautiful diving in here is because a beautiful, insane, beautiful truth comes out at the end of this. So for those of you that you're like you like your geek on, that's me. I, I like studying everything about the Bible. You like that, you're gonna love this first part. And those of you that are gonna struggle through this first part, hang in there because we're getting to a beautiful, beautiful truth. Verse three through fourteen. What Jason has covered the last couple of weeks. Verse 3 through 14. So just look in your, in your passage in your Bible right in front of you. Those verses, verses 3 through 14, is one long Greek sentence. In fact, arguable, arguably. It's the longest New Testament verse in, the New, in Greek in the New Testament. In fact, this one sentence is 202 words long. Do any of you struggle when you write papers to have run-on sentences? Paul, oh my goodness, Paul, come on. So when you're looking in your Bible, you're seeing periods, you're seeing commas, you're seeing verse numbers, you're seeing all that. In the Greek, that did not exist. Literally, verses 3 through 14 were one sentence. And this is a powerful, powerful sentence, if you think about that. In seminary language... You would call this little passage right here a pericope. And this is a pericope. I'm telling you that. So if you ever want to impress someone, you can say, this pericope, right? Okay. This little sentence, this little passage right here has so much depth to it. Paul is a brilliant writer in love with God. He's so brilliant in the way that he writes. In fact, this is also called, these this verses 3 through 14, Paul's eulogy. What's a What's a eulogy? You guys know what a eulogy is? Often it's a short speech of praise for someone who has died. Maybe if you've been to a funeral and you've had someone read an eulogy or talk about someone, it's a short speech of praise for someone who has died. This is often called Paul's eulogy. Well, why? And maybe even your Bible, it says in, the, in, the, in that subtitle, right? The top Paul, Paul's eulogy. Why is it called this? We're getting geeky now. You ready? If you look at it in the Greek the very first part of this of this very long sentence has three words. And there's three words, yulogetos, everyone say yulogetos. I say it with a Spanish accent. It's just what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything I say comes out with a Spanish accent. So yulogetos means praise be to or blessed that's beautiful. That word means praise, be to, or bless it. But there's also another form that's, that's used in this sentence, and it's eulogeo, which means to bless or to, or to bestow a special favor upon. So we have these two words that are meaning very much the same thing. And then right down just a little bit longer, you're going to see eulogia, which means praise or blessing or generous gift. And Paul uses all three forms of this word right here. And that's why it's called the eulogy. And if you look at how Paul has used just different forms of this Greek word in the first part of this sentence, this is a power-packed sentence from Paul. And it's a call to praise God. praise God. As Paul is writing this sentence, he is saying it in three different ways. It's his eulogy, and it is to praise God. And that's why he's writing this. That's one geeky aspect. Can we go to another one? Bill, is that okay? Let's go. Let's do this thing. We also see in this sentence, verses 3 through 14, Something I think is just beautiful when you encounter it in Scripture. And Paul does a lot of this. It's just brilliant writing. And you see a, a literary structure known as a chiasm. We've talked about chiasms before. If you, if you study lit, um, literature, you know what a chiasm is. Let me explain what a chiasm is. A chiasm is a sequence of ideas presented. And then it's repeated in reverse order. Okay, so a chiasm is a sentence of ideas uh, stated and then repeated in reverse order. And what that does is the statement of, of, of what you're saying and then the repeated order point to something that's sandwiched in the middle. And that thing that's sandwiched in the middle is the main idea. It's where the emphasis is added. So the chiasm of these, can we walk through these? You're going to have to look in your Bible a little bit. Here's the chiasm of verses 3 through 14, and I was going to put it up on stage, so you're just going to, or on the screen, but we didn't get to that, so you're just going to have to picture it, and maybe even write it in your Bible if you want. Point one in the chiasm is this, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See that? Now let's jump down to the reverse order, right? I said he's going to say stuff, it's going to point to something, and then he's going to repeat it in, verse, in reverse order, right? So the first one is this, in verse 3, Blessed be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse 14. Now we're going backwards, right? And what's verse 14? To the praise of his glory. Do you see how he said the same thing and he backed it up? The first one in verse 3 is, Blessed be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, To the praise of his glory. Who? God. Jesus Christ. Reverse order. Now let's go a step in. Step in. Verse 4. Before the foundations of the world. And in reverse order. Look at verse 10. To unite all things in Christ in heaven and in earth. So verse 4 talks about the foundations of the world. Verse 10 talks about to unite all things in Christ, in heaven, and and in earth. And in this beautifully structural, literal writing of Paul as he's doing this, it points to one single verse, which is verse 7. Which when you come to verse 7, you should sit up on your seat, you should highlight it, and you should say, why has Paul put so much emphasis on this? Why has he structured these first seven, or, um, verses 3 through 14 to point to verse 7? And look what verse 7 says. In him we have what? Redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Can I repeat this again? In who? christ in him we have redemption by his blood amen the forgiveness of our trespasses do you see the power that this pericope that this passage has can you see this can you see the beauty of what's pointed out here? It's talking about Jesus and who he is. And by his blood, we have redemption and we've been saved. And we're talking about God and how he's overcome all of the sin that has counted us at loss. This is a beautiful, beautiful story about who God is. And if you don't believe me, let's just read through verses 7 through 14 again. And I'm going to emphasize something. And tell me if you get it. And probably you already, you already got it, okay? I'll make sure we get it. In Him. Did you get that one? In Him we have the redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Which He lavished on us. His, His, He, Him, 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 His. Did I miss one? Him, His, Him, His 15 times from verses 3 to 14. What does this point to? (laughs) You could say that one. I didn't. That wasn't a trick. That That was an amen. It's a beautiful passage. We can get caught up thinking, it's all about us. It's not all about us. It's about him, what he's done for us. Amen to that. Highlight verse (laughs) 7. So we see that in verse 7 through 10, that everything is about him, it's for him. He has redeemed everything by his blood and forgiveness. I want to go down to verse 11 right now. Because there's something, a word that pops out in verse 11, and and I want to kind of land on this for a little bit. And in verse 11, there's a a word, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to, to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. When he's speaking of counsel, he's speaking about the Trinity. He's thinking. He's speaking about who he is. There's there is already a conversation, always an ongoing, a conversation among the Father, among the Son, among the Holy Spirit. And if you see that, God is relational. He's relational with Himself, and this is a beautiful dance that we see in these passages. And and I, I want to challenge you to do this in your quiet time. And we're not going to do that this morning, but go through these verses that we're talking through. And every time it says his, him, his, who is he talking about? Is he talking about God? Is he talking about the Holy Spirit? Is he talking about the Jesus, about Jesus? Which one is he referring to? Multiple times it's referring to the Trinity. And what you see in this passage is a beautiful dance of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And how he acts on our behalf. And how he interacts with himself. 15 times we see him referring to him in different ways. The text highlights who God is and what God has done on our behalf. So we're seeing the text highlight who God is and what he he does on our behalf, the trinity of who he is. And we're seeing how much he has chased after humankind to show us and to save us from sin and death and to set us into freedom. And when I look at this, I can only say, God, it's about you, it's from you, and it's for you, and thank you for setting me free. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished. I just love that word. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us. The mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Don't you just love, I mean, personally, don't you just love a good redeeming story? You go to the movies and you have this good storyline, a good redeeming story. You know, it's almost that one where it's like you got the payback that he deserved, or, you know, or whatever. Don't you just love a good redeeming story? I do. Um, I, there was a there was a funny guy in my life. He was my youth pastor, and I won't point to him or say his name, Jerry Ishida, but he's right here. And and, I, and there was a great redeeming story that happened in, in my life at this time, and it was Jerry took a group of kids to camp, a bunch of snotty nosed little junior high kids to camp. You know, junior high boys. Just oh, it's not good. How did you do that? Good job, bud. Took a bunch of junior hires, you know, the guys that run around farting all the time with their noise, whatever. Just picture junior high boys. And in the dorm rooms, it was, you know, maybe 50 junior high kids sleeping in a dorm room. And the first thing you do when, they're, when, the, when the adult gets up is like, lights off. They turn the lights off. And all of a sudden, you hear, ee! It's like a bunch of little girls in the boys' room, like everyone giggling, farting, doing all this crazy stuff. But our crew, our our little crew that came from Ordway, Colorado, went to this big camp in New Mexico, and our crew was actually pretty tired, pretty reserved, ready to sleep, believe it or not. Jerry knew that too. But everyone else, everyone else, those junior high kids, they were ready to party and fart and do everything else, and so we didn't get to sleep very much that night, and I think it really got under Jerry's skin. Because the next day he went into town, came back, you remember this Jerry? Came back, came back with water guns and soda. Sorry, I'm telling on you, and gave it to us and said, Do whatever you want with it. So that night when the lights went out, our crew was like, You guys kept us up last night? Guess what? Redemption, baby. We were pouring soda in our in our water guns, we're squirting it in the dark and then hiding our water guns, acting like we were asleep when the lights came on, like it was awesome. It was awesome. Don't you love a good redemption story? And the payback comes. This isn't quite the story we're talking about in Scripture, but it definitely highlights it. I love a great redemption story. When we come to that word in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the payback, the grip from death, the brought back to life, that everything's made right. Redemption, that beautiful Word, redemption. Verses 7 through 10 develops the mystery of Christ's redemption work. And we get to that word redemption. What is that? What does that mean? It's, it's liberation from imprisonment and bondage. And I got to tell you, the night before, when all the other junior high kids were farting and all that, that was bondage. We were set free the next night. We see this redemption. We, humankind, are set free from the bondage. Grip of sin no longer has power over us. Well, what are we freed from? If we're talking about redemption, what are we freed from? Look at verse 7. Our trespasses. We're freed from sin. Amen. What are we freed to? We are freed to forgiveness. Forgiveness from what? We're we're freed from forgiveness. We're freed from sin to forgiveness. The chains of of sin and what it's done in our life and how it's bought, how it's bound us up are set free. They're cut and they are dropped. So we're freed from trespasses and we're free to forgiveness. And that's where these words that that just I love lavishly given. We're given grace lavishly given, rich grace which is the cause of our redemption. His grace is why we have redemption. And he lavishly pours it on us, freely gives it to us. And when you picture what God is doing here on our behalf, what does it cause you to do? I know what it causes me to do. Praise God. I don't deserve this. I didn't earn this. But God, you lavishly, richly poured your grace on me. Redeemed me, bought me back. And I say amen to that. We look later in this this little passage right here, 7 through 10. We see his known will and purposes to unite all things in him. Christ restores harmony to the universe. God is the origin and source of salvation as well as its goal. I want to repeat that again. God is the origin and source of our salvation as well as the goal. We focus on Christ. This passage focus on Christ. And when we see Christ and who he is, and we see God, and we see the trinity and the dance of everything that he's done on our behalf and how he set us free, it reminds me of John 8.38. So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. Have you heard that song? So if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. Because of the redemption, the love, the grace that lavishly, richly poured on us. If the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. I wish I had a guitar right now. I'd, I would break that out and just sing that right now. I wish I knew how to play guitar right now, where right? I busted out and sing it right now. I wish I could call Jeremy up here to play it so he could bust it. If the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. Maybe right in this place, you need to close your eyes and just pause on that for a second. In fact, let's do that. Let's close our eyes and pause on that. If the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. It's because of God's grace, He lavishly, richly poured out on us. continue to look at verses 11 through 14, and these verses right here, what Christ's redemptive work, it talks about what Christ's redemptive work is to the believer, to us, those of us that call call ourselves Christians. What does this work mean? And so as we begin to unpack this, you guys are going to have to go study a lot of this on your own. It's just too much, and we could be here all day. You want to keep going all day? I'm going to to give you some highlights, and then I'm going to let you go home and study it. Steve wants to be here all day, so Steve, you and I, we'll keep going, okay? Verses 11 through 12, I want to point out something. In him we. See that? In him we. And this we is referring to Paul and the fellow Jewish believers. So this redemptive thing that's happening, he's saying in verse 11, is for Paul and the Jewish believers. You get down to verse 13, it says, In him you also. Why did Paul put you also? Well, who did we say this book is written to? Gentiles, Christians. That are not Jewish people. Paul's writing this book, and so when he says, you also, he's he's referring to the Gentile readers also. So this redemption message that he says is for we, us, Paul and fellow Jewish believers. Then in verse 13, it says, you also, which is referring to the Gentile readers. And then we get to verse 14, and you see who is the guarantee of our inheritance, both groups equally sharing in this redemptive grace that's lavishly and richly poured on humanity. Are you God's chosen people? You better believe it. Bear lock eyes with your maker, abide with him, and just thank him for him choosing you and loving you, redeeming you and restoring you. And it's for a message of all mankind. What I like about Paul and his writings, and in this writing as well, Paul's recurring theme of reconciliation and inclusion of Gentiles, and even in this time, females, which were not highly talked about or held in higher esteem at this time. I'm glad we've overcome that. Paul's writing to Gentiles, to females, to slaves, to red, yellow, black, and white, And he's saying this beautiful, love-filled, grace-filled message is made possible through Jesus Christ and the dance of the Trinity that we see. And it's for, everyone point to you, you. And it's for whoever flew the planes into the Twin Towers. And it's for everyone that you know. This grace-filled, love message And he uses us to walk around as ambassadors, to look people in the eyes, to smile, to be the hands and feet of his love in human lives. That is an incredible message given to an incredible people because we are God's chosen people. How does that make you feel? Honored? Part of a rich heritage that's deep. God intimately loves you. Let's get to verse 14. I told you I'm skipping a lot here. It's okay. Verse 14 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? I like how it says, We were sealed in possession. Those two words, when you begin to look at those, he is the agent of redemption and the one who possesses people. He has made them his own. They are his treasured possession. Reminds me of 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Think about this. This is Jesus. This is God, this is God speaking this over your life as you sit here today. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. <laughs> the goal of the action, we're sealed. You see that? The action is we're, we're sealed. The goal of the action we're sealed is that God has acquired possession and why has he acquired acquired possession that he may be praised and be given glory all this points to who god is what he's done that he may be praised that he may get the glory as humans walk around realizing that god has given everything for us In light of these verses, this one long sentence, in light of this, verses 3 through 14, we see the great links which God has chased us down with his love. And Paul sees the church in the present age. Right now, Paul sees us in writing in the present age as doing what, again, Israel did in the desert. Remember what Israel did in the desert coming out of slavery of sin? Remember that, what happened? Paul's writing and he's writing even to us right now that we will come out of the slavery of sin through God's great action in Jesus, the Messiah. And that's the promised gift that he has given us. In him, we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. How does this land on you today personally? And I wanna wanna land this with this. Because some of us today, we may be hearing this, and we may believe this, and we may see this, and we may see the beauty of what Paul's writing, and we may see the great links that God's done for us and how he's speaking to us, but here's the reality as we sit here today, Satan has a grip on your life. Maybe, maybe just even in your mind and in your heart, so does Satan have a grip on your, on your heart and on your mind? You are set free in Christ, Romans 8, 2. You are a new creation, Second Corinthians five seventeen. I'm going to go through a bunch of what you are's now. Is that okay? And I'm going to go through a bunch of what you are's in Christ, because some of us were sitting here and Satan is beating us up, and we're feeling guilty for that again, or not doing this very thing, or we're not amounting to so much, or if you knew what was going on in my life, like how can God love me? How can He give so much for me? Some of us were sitting here, and Satan is really just trying to dupe us. Well, we're not going to let him dupe us. Because as I look out, I see human beings. And when I see human beings, I see what God has given for each and every one of us. And we're going to cast Satan out of here today. He's not going to be in your in your mind. He's not going to be in your heart. So if you need to right now, close your eyes and think about the beauty of this word. God says when the word goes out, it will not come back void. It will come back. It will heal. It will change it will move and mold us. It will shape us and rearrange us. And it will show us how much God loves us. So I want to ask you right now, close your eyes. And accept his word over your life. This is his word. He speaks over you. You are set free in Christ. Romans 8.2 You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 You are alive in Christ, Ephesians 2, 5. You are a doer of the word and blessed in your actions, James 1, 22. You are a joint heir with Christ, amen, Romans 8, 17. You are more than a conqueror, Romans 8, 37. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, Deuteronomy 28.13. You are redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty, Galatians 3.13. It is Christ that lives in you, not death, Galatians 2.20. You are forgiven of all your sins and washed in the blood, Ephesians 1, 7. And all of these are because of Christ and for Christ that he will get the glory. So this week, when you go around your week and you begin to feel I'm not worthy Stand on the Word of God. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Focus on who He is and what He does in your life. Stand on the Word of truth. I'm going to ask us right now to just close our Bibles, go into a time of reflection. If you'll put your hands out in front of you and Just a form of submission saying, God, I receive anything you want to show me today. Please speak to me in this place. Just silently, quietly to yourself, just say, God, I receive anything you want to show me. Maybe some of us as... As we're aligning our heart and mind with him, he's showing us things in our life that just don't align up with his perfect character. Well, our hands are already open, just put those things in your hand and say, God, please take these things away from me. These addictions, these habits, my vocabulary, whatever it may be, my attitude, my perspective, whatever that just is not lining up with who God is. Put those things in your hand and say, God, please take these from me. These have become little bondages, little chains that have set me back from being who you've created me to be. I've hung on to some of these things like a crutch. In this room, church, I keep saying abide because it's just a word that God's given me today about his spirit. And I I just want to encourage us, church, abide in Christ today. Just sit with him today. He's your daddy, your Abba, your father, your Messiah, your everything. We can make it so intellectual that we miss this relationship. Let's abide in Him today, in this place. Some of us in this room, we've come and we really just, this has been great. But we don't have this relationship with Christ. Christ. We've been living for ourselves. We've been living in pride. We've been living selfishly for ourselves. We've been moving along. But this morning, something is happening. Something is happening in our hearts and in our minds. Like That's the Holy Spirit priding after you, chasing after you. God is willing that no one will perish, and He's running after you, saying, child, do you see me? I love you. I created you. Can you see how much I've done for you, what I've sacrificed for you? I've lavished my love and grace richly on you. This morning, will you receive that love? Say, God, my life is yours. My attitude, my mind, my emotions, everything about me is yours. May I be you as I walk around. Here in a little bit, I want to invite all of us, church, to take communion together. But right now, I want to pray for us. And at the end of this prayer... If we can stand, and if you have a child in Project Kids, just quickly, quietly go retrieve that child and come back. And then together as a body, we'll take communion and continue to worship God through singing. But I want to pray this prayer over us today. So would you receive this? Praise be to you, O God, for all you have done for who you are. We praise you for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We praise you for your unfathomable goodness and grace. We praise you for thinking of us, for caring about us, for choosing us, for reaching out to us in love, for saving us, for calling us to be the praise of your glory. We praise you for the gift of your spirit who guarantees our future with you and who empowers us to serve you today. All praise, glory, and honor be to you, O God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, can we stand? Continue worshiping God in this place.